It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like, Sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Epic News Monolith Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How's everybody doing this week? Good. Good, good. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I have a pretty good promote extend trade. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, for anyone who listens to our show last week, you know that I had uh, some computer problems. <laughs> Ironically, Are you doing names for the IT podcast? <laughs> on today's date, 32 years ago, 1988, a lot of people had computer problems because the first documented malware replicated itself over the internet and launched all over the place. <laughs> so, of all of these um, famous hackers, I guess, famous computer wizards, whatever you want to call them, uh, who are we, who are we gonna promote? Who are we gonna extend? Or who are you gonna trade? Steve, I absolutely thought you were gonna say promote or extend trade your three favorite malwares. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I guess you should just trade all the malware. Because yeah. they all suck. True. Alright, so first we have David Levinson from Independence Day. Then we have Morpheus from The Matrix. Uh huh. And finally, we have Dr. Hal Emmerich, also known as Otacon, from Metal Gear Solid. 
Oh. That's hard, because I want to promote two of them. <laughs> I think I'm promoting Morpheus, because I love the first Matrix movie. The first one. You mean that there's more than one Matrix movie? Hmm. Uh, okay, I actually have a take. I don't think Matrix 2 and 3 are as bad as everyone says. Oh, and I, I like 2 a little bit. Yeah, 2 is like, enjoyable. Like, I don't dislike 2. 3, I think, came out too soon. But I, I like saw one the first one. <laughs> That's the They're extent. making four. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I'm extending Morpheus, promoting Metal Gear Solid Dude, and uh, trade the other one. Not that I want to trade him, but it's unfortunately yeah. necessary. Yeah. He, he, saved the, he saved the planet. Yeah? Yeah, but he's less cool. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to tell Morpheus you're not promoting him? Come on. The thing is, Morpheus is kind of a dick. <laughs> You're not wrong. What? <laughs> he uh, maybe not a dick, but he's kind of an asshole. I don't know the right word. He he's just too smug. He's the kind of smug you want to punch in the face. Yeah, but he's smug because he's right. Right, he is right. I mean, he there is that, but you don't need to be smug when you are right. Eh, <laughs> you can tone it down a little. Eh. Lucas was like, that's when you'd need to be smug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, if he was wrong about everything, which I guess he was in a way, because, like, spoiler alert, if you've not seen the second two... Oh, Ken hasn't seen the second two Matrix movies. I, I highly doubt I ever do. Uh, so, <laughs> go for it. Canceling the Netflix subscription thing right now. Uh-huh. It's getting it, it, sent back in the mail. <laughs> like, <laughs> 2006 or whatever. I mean, uh... uh he was kind of wrong about Neo being the one, not just the latest version of the one, I guess. Mm. But, you know, everything else is pretty accurate. Yeah, no, he he was right, but he's just, he just, he's just punchable. Are you an agent, Steve? Uh, that would be cool, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I too want to be a faceless mindless killing machine in a virtual reality, yes. I mean, isn't that kind of what you do on the side? Uh, how'd you find out my day job, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Then, Otacon is pretty cool too, but he's he's like the opposite of of, uh, Morpheus. He's just too cringe. He's not really cringe. He's just too much of a... I don't know. I can't use these words that I want to use, but... No, 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 no. You're going to get us censored. <laughs> We're getting an angry email from Concerned Mothers Weekly or something. Yeah, and that's, that's usually not... I'm not the one that that happens to, so... Yeah, well. All right, well... So that's that. Now let's move on to the CPBL, KBO, and MPB. And the Taiwan series between the Unilions and the brothers started on Saturday. And on paper, it looked like it was going to be a pretty good game. Uh, well, a series, really, because the Lions are the top offensive team in the league and the brothers have the best pitching. So it's uh, definitely good matchups. And game one definitely lived up to the expectations. Uh, Brock Dykeshorn, he took the ball for the Unilions. 
and Esmail Rogers, a uh, former MLB journeyman who played mostly for the Rockies in like the mid early to mid 2010s. He took the ball for the brothers and the two of them basically matched zeros inning after inning for the first half of the game. And the Lions scored the first run in the game in the sixth inning on a Chichesu RBI single. But the brothers basically got that run back instantly when Dykeshorn gave up a solo home run in the bottom of the inning. So things got reset, and the game stayed tied until the 10th inning. And in the 10th inning, Wu Song Pan, a pinch hitter, he hit a fly ball into right field that bounced off of the padding at the top of the wall for a three-run homer. And the Unilines took the lead. And that was the fourth pinch run homer in Taiwan Series history. And closer Yun Wen Chen made it pretty interesting in the bottom of the 10th. He loaded up the bases and he allowed a run to score. But in the end, he got a strikeout and the Unilines won game one. So they have one game edge now. And statistically, things are looking pretty good for them. Because every single Taiwan series that they've played, they won when they won the first game. And with the brothers, every single Taiwan series that they've been in, that they lost the first game, they lost the entire series. So, looks good for the Lions. And then they have uh, Tim Melville going in game two. And the brothers have Jose De Paula, who's a, a former Padres formhand. He's going to be taking the ball for them in game two. So, <clears throat> it'll probably be... Uh, another pitching duel. Next up are the LG Twins in Korea. And coming into the week, they had already clinched a playoff berth, but they were in second place. Uh, excuse me. And they were in second place. So that meant that they were going to start the playoffs in the semifinals. Unfortunately, this week they went 0-2. And then coupled with how the other playoff bound teams did, the Twins dropped to fourth place, meaning that now they're going to be starting as one of the two wildcard teams, them and the Kiwum Heroes. So those two teams are going to play each other in the wildcard series, and then the winner of that will play the Doosan Bears in the quarterfinals, and then the winner of that series is going to play the KT Wiz in the semifinals, and then the winner of all that will uh, play the NC Dinos in the Korea series. Not the best situation to be in, but... They're in the playoffs, at least, so that's good. And finally, the Occult Swallows, and they went 0-4 with two ties this week, so... Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. They're really having a Mets... No, it's not a Metsian finish not even this Mets. season. The Mets yeah. would, like, finish the season strong and give you hope for next year. Yeah, this year. is, like... They're just getting worse like and worse. The Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> But even though they went 0-4 two ties, they only lost a half game in the standing, so that's good. <laughs> They're only <laughs> t- t- 24 and a half games behind the uh, Murray Giants, so not bad. Uh, they went third. They're currently 38, 64, and 10 on the year. So uh, we sometimes like, you know, we talk about how we'd prefer the Mets to just either be really good or just be really bad and tank. And just kind of witnessing the Swallows be really bad in tank, I don't know if I'd be able to stand the Mets actually going all in and just being terrible. It'd be so, like, I I don't know how, like, watching it would be anything, but, like, I mean, we, 
the the problem is they were that bad. They just didn't do it intentionally, and that was like yeah. 2009 to 2011. But they were never that bad, though. They were pretty I mean, bad, Steve. <laughs> they were pretty bad. But... What was that 2009 opening day lineup? Uh, opening day lineup. Uh, Mets. 2009. A... No, I think been not that bad, though, because things got bad as the season progressed. Your 2009 opening yeah, day lineup probably had... Yeah, I think they were good until the, uh, the like wild card. May or not the or... wild card, the, the all-star break. Yeah. Okay, no, you're right. The 2009 lineup is pretty pretty much what you'd expect. You still had Delgado and Beltran and everyone. Yeah, Delgado, Beltran, Castillo, Wright, Reyes, Murphy, Brian Schneider. It's the 2010 lineup that's a real disaster. I will mm. be impressed if you if anyone can name more than three players outside of Johan Santana as like the starting pitcher that was <laughs> in this lineup. Anyone want to take a crack at that? All right, so 2010. Yeah. So first base, Ike Davis. Nope. Mm, no. Okay. Second Josh base. Stanton? Nope. <laughs> Mike Jacobs. Oh. Huh. Was that uh, Omar Quintanilla? Was he floating around yet? No, I, no. Th- I think he showed up later that season, didn't he? Gotcha. Uh, he strikes me as like 2012 Omar. Yeah, Quintanilla. he was. He was a bit later than you really realize. Luis Castillo. Yep. Third he was base. Yeah. I, I would base. have known he was still there. Yeah, third base is easy. Third base, David Wright. Yeah, yeah. yeah Shortstop, no. Jose Reyes. No. <laughs> no, not Jose Reyes. No. No. He was hurt. Really? Uh, this guy's a cheater. There's a lot of cheaters in baseball. Jose Altuve. <laughs> yes, Jose Altuve <laughs> starting shortstop in 2010. No. Uh, Alex Gorov. Oh, uh, oh, was that the year that he ended the season with surgery on both thumbs? Yes, I believe it was. Because, like, I remember, like, the Mets just, like, dropping that. Like, he had, like, I remember reading it, and I was like, how do you have surgery on both thumbs and, like, function as a human for, like, guess, weeks? <laughs> guess which guy uh, played for the Mets and has two functional thumbs? Not, <laughs> Not this one! <laughs> Let's see. Centerfield is Carlos Beltran. Nope, Beltran. No. Was uh, hurt and then traded later this year, I believe. Jeez. Right. Well, Jason Bay was playing in the corner somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he was in left. Angel Pagan was in center. No, no. Hmm. Uh, Andres Torres. No, no, no. They didn't. They they traded for Torres in between. That was in the Sandy well. regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gary wasn't... Matthews Jr. Oh, my oh, God. I would have. Ne- you could we we could have been on this podcast for three hours and I've never uh-huh. gotten a Gary to, to spare our to spare our viewers. Uh, right field was Frenchy and then yeah. oh, catcher was Rod Barajas. Jesus, so not a great lineup. Wow, <laughs> not well, great. Bob. It's still better than the Swallows, I guess. True. <laughs> I guess. I guess. 35-year-old Gary Matthews Jr. starting in center field. Yes, excellent. Good work, Omar. <laughs> lobby lobby gets center fielder? <laughs> well, here's actually, this kind of segues in well. Um, the next player that the Sydney Blue Sox um, named. So, this, uh, joining Francisco Alvarez... Carlos Cortez, Andrew Mitchell, and Manny Rodriguez is Adam Aller. 
Now, is that a name? Yeah, exactly. Is that a name that any of you recall? Uh, Hoomst? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Hoomst the fuck. Yep, a lot of you out there might be saying to yourself, Adam Aller, Adam Aller, hmm. And I'll admit, I had the same reaction. I had to look it up, obviously, when it was announced. And Adam Aller was acquired by the Mets last winter in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. Obviously, there was no minor league season, so he didn't actually make his Mets debut. So it would be understandable if you don't know who Adam Aller how, is. How do you spell the last name? O-L-L-E-R. What the fuck? I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Um, I have no memory of this player in Gandalf meme. <laughs> <laughs> he was initially drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates out of Northwestern State University down in Louisiana in the 20th round of the 2016 draft. He was pretty solid there. He's actually, like, more or less their best pitcher. But the stuff, you know, wasn't too impressive. So he was selected in the 20th round, and he signed for just $70,000. Spent a couple of years in the Pirate system before getting released after the 2018 season, and he made it as far as playing for the Bradenton Marauders, which is their high-A affiliate. And then instead of retiring after getting released, he got convinced to just basically give baseball one more chance. So he signed with the Windy City Thunderbolts, uh, an indie team in the Frontier League. And he was really good in the couple starts that he made with them. He gave up just two unearned runs in 27 innings. So that got the attention of uh, MLB scouts. And the San Francisco Giants ended up signing him. And they sent them to the Augusta Green Jackets, their low-A affiliate. And he was so-so over the course of the rest of the year. Uh, he posted a 4.02 ERA in 87 in the third innings. And then after the season ended, the Mets picked him in the rule minor league uh, portion of the Rule 5 draft. And here we are. The peripherals um, were quite good. 9.58 K9, 2.68 BB9, 5.52 home run through 9. Like, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, his... Um, Fastball was kind of low 90s or so uh, prior to going to the Indies and stuff. But during that off last off season, um, he was doing a lot of workouts with like the the flat ground people and all them. And his his he gained a couple of miles per hour on his fastball. So it kind of sits low 90s, low to mid 90s, tops out at 96. So there's something there definitely. And then he has a curveball, slider, and a changeup. Uh, historically, this curveball was kind of his go-to pitch, but the Pirates wanted him to learn the slider, and they had him use that. So, again, maybe being out of that system and being able to use the curveball more than um, the slider is going to be more beneficial to him. Um, but the only thing is lefties really kill him. And historically, he's been better as a starter than a reliever. So transitioning him when and if that ever, you know, might need to be the case, might not help him out. But all in all, you know, he's not any better or worse than some of the other guys that the Mets have at that level. You know, high A slash double A. So I'm always interested. I'm actually... I wonder if some of these guys who have like these, uh, 
what's the what's the best way to play this? Like this second career almost, right? Where they get out of baseball and then get back into it. I wonder if they are aren't given enough of a shot a lot of the times because people just assume they suck. That's probably what happens. I think. Yeah. Right. Like they might be a totally different pitcher now, but people are just like, eh, you're 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 not actually good, even though they might be a fundamentally different player. I'm not saying that's the case here. I'm just considering the general case. Well, it's also are... like, I think because there's such an there's an influx of new players every year. That's true. That, like, why would you like? I think a lot of teams are like, why would I sign this person? Mm-hmm. Because there's just this new person who is younger and. We don't know anything about them yet, so they might just be better from the jump. The Mets have had a, a pretty good track record over the last couple of years of looking at those guys and like correctly identifying some of them. Chris Mazza, he was signed out of Indie Bowl, and he went on to play in the majors this year. So He was on that, the Red Sox, right? Yeah, yeah. That would have to be a win. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Mickey Janis. You know, he never actually cracked the majors, but he was signed... Um, you know, into the system from independent ball, and he basically became the you know longest tenured best pitcher in Binghamton history <laughs> over his <laughs> three four years, whatever that he was there. So, uh, who was that Delgado pitcher they had for a couple years? I I couldn't remember. Another like useful upper minors depth arm they got from indie ball. Casey uh, Delgado, maybe I don't know. Hmm. There's so many nondescript arms that have floated through the system over the years. They all kind of blend together after a while. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, maybe. I mean, if they're sending him there to get some actual, you know, in-game innings under his belt, and obviously they targeted him in the draft, so they must like something. They must think, hmm, we can work with something. something. Yeah. And it, it's just especially weird for us because we didn't have a season to, like, watch any of these guys either. So like, Right. I mean, he literally did not play a single game in a Mets uniform. So <laughs> to us, it's just like, what? Who? Exactly. exactly. Uh, I would say that we, the bunch of us and a lot of other people, you know, in in our similar circles and our listeners and stuff like that, we all kind of follow this kind of stuff obsessively. So for just a guy to kind of fly under everybody's radar, it's just like, ooh, okay. But I guess that's what happens when you have um, your season cut short by a global catastrophe pandemic. Right. Yeah, like, it, it's just one of those things. It's going to be funny if he ends up being good and we're like, <laughs> we look back on this. <laughs> And we're like, oh, remember that when we didn't know who he was because COVID stopped the minor league season? That was wild. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll take it. That just means that, you know, he's become a good player and is probably helping the Mets. So, Hopefully. Unless they trade him to the Los Angeles Angels for... That, that awful Justin Mike Trout Upton and Justin <laughs> Upton and, and Jordan Adele or something. You're putting it. I had pushed it out of my mind, Steve, and now it's back in my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to commercial break then, and maybe that'll help it uh, get out of your mind. There. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So, um, this week's topic, ironically, we got an email about. So, that worked out very nicely. And our email's from Matt Brew. And Matt writes, quote, I've seen the comparisons of payrolls between the Rays and the Dodgers throughout the World Series, and the implication is that L.A. is given an unbelievable advantage because of this. What I have not seen is the advantages that a small market team such as the Rays are given in terms of competitive balance draft picks, larger international draft pool money, etc. Clearly, what both teams have in common, and what we hope for the Mets in the near-term near term future is that they have made good use of the systems in which they operate. So my question is, in terms of roster construction, do you think that there's a massive advantage given to large market teams, so long as they actually spend like a large market team, of course, compared to small market teams? Would you rather be the Angels right now or the Pirates? Love the show, love the show, Matt Brew. So first of all, Matt, thank you for listening. And of course, now we confirm that we have two listeners. Him and Ringo, right? Yep, Matt and Ringo. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, I mean, let, let's give the easiest, obvious answer here first. Uh, yes, being a big, big market team is an advantage. I would rather be the Angels than the Pirates or whoever. The other part of that yeah. being that the Pirates could spend that much too. They just choose not to, but that's mm-hmm. that's a whole mm-hmm. other thing. Like, the Angels problem isn't in being a big market team, it's that the guy who runs them is <laughs> a lunatic. <laughs> right. The guy who runs them thinks, hey, let me sign Albert Pujols to a $3 billion deal. Nothing could possibly go... Oh, shit. <laughs> that did it's not like, work out. Yeah, like, it's good that Major League Baseball kind of evens the playing field a bit and makes the makes it like not impossible like in some like I'm mostly thinking about in like soccer leagues overseas and stuff where like if you're a smaller team it's just too bad like you're never going to be able to compete unless something crazy happens but like still I would just rather be the the angels it's just easier like mm-hmm. like the the rays have no uh margin of for error like at all like if they mess up a trade or something, then that sets them back to uh, for like not forever, but if if something goes wrong for them, then they have to really work to fix it. But if some if the Dodgers sign someone and it doesn't work, then who cares? <laughs> like Sorry. the Yankees signed Jacoby Ellsbury and that was a disaster, and it didn't matter one bit. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> trying to think about the last time. It's kind of funny to to 
because the Dodgers haven't made any moves that really sucked. Well, yeah, I know. I was just using them as an example. Yeah. Like, A.J. Pollock wasn't great his first year, but he was actually quite good this season, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I guess Pollock's the best type of example, and he's still good. <laughs> um, uh, God damn, that team is so freaking good. They're like um, the perfect storm of being, like, really smart and also having unlimited funds. <laughs> they are basically what we hope to be. the Mets to be, yeah. <laughs> At Steve Cohen, too. <laughs> uh, I'm so disappointed it's not a fake account, if I'm being totally honest. I want yeah, it to be. It's like the the biggest ruse ever. <laughs> I'm trying to also come up with the last time the Rays made a bad trade. That's true. Hmm. Like, they freaking swindled the pirates with the Chris Archer thing. Um... Well, that's the thing. They they don't really do it, and we've seen that their margin for error, it doesn't matter. They're still competitive all the time. But, like, in an alternate universe where they do the Archer trade and Archer's a star and who they got back isn't, then they don't make the World Series. We're, we're being idiots. That's the exact example we brought, right? Because the Pirates are that small a market yeah. team. Yeah. They trade for Chris Archer mm-hmm. and give up Meadows, Glasnow, Glass and uh, Shane Baz, who is also probably going to be real good. And... That, in a com- in combination with a whole bunch of other shit, just fucks them. Yeah, and they're screwed now, and they had to rebuild. They had to they blow could, it all up. They'd still be bad, if, but, but they'd have Austin Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, and Shane Baz. They'd have the makings of a pretty good team. Right. Yeah. They they traded Cole for nothing, and look where they are, and it's just... When you're, when you're not a smart organization, and you don't have a lot of money, you're the Pirates, and they're one of the worst <laughs> teams in the league, so... No, don't be the Pirates. No one wants to be the Pirates. And, I mean, I guess the Mets are a good example of they acted like a small market team, so, like, one bad contract would kill them because, like, they needed everything to work out perfectly, and they didn't, and the margin for error was them missing the playoffs all the time, even with a, with some type of money put into the team. Not enough, but... Like, they signed Cespedes, and it didn't work, and here we are. Like, they were terrible. But if the Dodgers did that, then the Dodgers would just have had Cespedes to hurt, and then the, their top prospect would have taken over, and it would have been fine. <laughs> I mean, they had Gavin Lux sitting at the alternative site the whole season. So. Mm-hmm. so basically, what it all boils down to is an investment in analytics and an investment in scouting. That's the other thing, right? Like, And I don't think the Dodgers do this nearly as much, but the Rays make 10 million little trades. Right, the Dodgers just go out and trade for Mookie Betts because fuck you, we can, we have the money. The Dodgers go out, <laughs> right? Sure, like like that. The Dodgers just go do that because they can. The, the Rays go out and make thirty little trades, and I don't want to say that the cumulative sum of the value is equal to Mookie Betts because it probably isn't, and also roster management issues. But the point being. They accrue value in these micro steps, and if they misstep at any point, right, like they, they, it doesn't work anymore, right? You need to get not thirty, but you need to get ten of these things right. Yeah. So it's a lot harder. It's a lot easier to get the hey, maybe we should trade for the second best player in baseball and pay him a lot of money. It's a lot easier to do that than say, well, 
we think this guy's 10% better on your team than the guy we have, and we know that you haven't recognized that, so we're going to swap in. Oh, so that sounds stressful, like to work in. Yeah. yeah. Where you're, <laughs> Not like, a good environment. <laughs> like, if if the Dodgers came up to, like, if I worked for the Rays, and the Dodgers came up to me and offered me a, a role, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm out. Because all I got to do is worry about, like, the check my boss could sign this dude. You know, like, I have unlimited prospects and resources. Let me go do whatever I want. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> Although one thing that I was not really aware of that just kind of watching the World Series broadcasts brought to my attention in terms of, like, micromanaging how to maximize every single player and every single possible competitive advantage was the raised bullpen and how... Almost every single guy throws from a different arm slot, and that is such a cool yeah, that's thing. So cool. Yeah, that's so cool. And I'm assuming that it was done intentionally, because some formula somewhere shows that you know batters will be, you know, X percent, you know, worse against you know a kind of array of pitchers like that. But that's such a cool thing. Like this is why I've always thought a. a knuckleballer in the bullpen would be interesting but that's a whole nother discussion well Ari Dickey still technically I don't think retired mm. <laughs> the Mets need bullpen help though the Mets need bullpen help you know uh, the Wilpons are gone so new ownership can all that bad blood can be gone you know now I will say the, the I've already forgot the name of our emailer I'm sorry whoever you were um <laughs> Matt. Matt, Matt, you made a good point about the competitive balance picks because that's absolutely a quote-unquote advantage of being a, a market as small as the Rays. And again, if you have this elite level of evaluation advantage, then you should be able to leverage this. At the same time, I'm flipping through some of their supplemental picks in the last couple years. Drew Rasmussen, Tanner Dodson, like it's not it's not like they're landing huge stars here and that's not how the draft that's not how you should evaluate the draft but it's also just such a crapshoot that it doesn't totally matter. <laughs> Tanner Dobson sounds like a Chappelle show character. T- Tanner Dobson <laughs> actually a uh, a uh, cowboy. I saw him when I was at Cal. Um uh, center fielder starting pitcher. I don't know what he's doing more for them now. I don't think he's particularly good. Interesting prospect though. Um, the bonus pool money might be the more impactful part than the actual players they picked up, and that's harder to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Basically, gives them more. Just all those competitive balance picks and everything basically gives them more. What more, more? Um, what's the word? Better lotto chances, I guess, to put it in that kind of phrasing. More roles at the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tanner Dodson, not good on either side of the ball in 2019 no. at high A as a 22-year-old, so unfortunate. Well, he pitched and he hit, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. He's now officially a friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Rasmussen sounds like a name I recognize, and I don't know why. Was he, like, notable at some point for something? Oregon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there with Peterson, I think. Oh, he made the majors uh, no, no, this no, year. No, 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 Oregon State. 
Um, Ooh, we he... made a mistake. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I think he was there with Rutschman. I think he was on the championship team. Mm. He made the 15 innings for the Brewers this year with a ERA of almost six. Like, in baseball, the draft pick advantage is just so... It's really difficult to evaluate. It depends where the pick is. It's almost results-based. Yeah. Yeah, because... But so much of the results are also just random chance. Like, how often do you draft a guy and then suddenly he grows four inches and... Well, that now comes into your investment in your team in terms of coaching infrastructure and stuff like that. Yeah. You get the guys that can then coax out every single little bit of talent in a guy. And I would say that it seems like in, in, for the Rays, we're using them heavily as an example. They seem to be the exception and not the rule to the small market team. Like, the Royals were really good in the years that they went to the World Series and then beat the Mets in the World Series, but, like, outside of that, they've been nothing for, like, most of my life. Like, they've never really been good. Well, and I think it, that's the final point we've not touched on, their constant roster churn. Yeah. Right? Like, the Rays, the Rays are going to trade half of this roster that just went to the World Series. The Dodgers are not. Yeah. The Dodgers are going to run this back with, like, maybe Francisco Lindor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like that's just what's going to happen in LA and like Randy or Rosarena is going to be in Milwaukee and then it's going to be like, well, he's going to be funny. in Milwaukee and also somehow not as good. Oh yeah. He's going to hit two thirty, and everyone's going to be confused. <laughs> it's just like, also, I mean, as a fan, I've said this often, like I would rather root for this, not the same players over and over again, but I would have a hard time being a Rays fan because, like, like I would want to get... There's a, no continuity. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like I want to get a DeGrom jersey. But if DeGrom was on the Rays, he would be on a different team right now. And then I would be like, oh, well, here's my double-A prospect jersey. You know, like, like from a fan point of view, it's a different story. But there's, there's, a, there's a level of attachment to players that Rays fans just won't get. Like, they have, they have Evan Longoria. Yeah, you don't want a uh, like you don't want a cash considerations jersey. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait! It just hit me. That's totally why they hired Kevin Cash. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! The galaxy brain explosion. <laughs> um. I mean, and then that's also what the Royals did. As annoying as this is for a fan, and I understand where you're coming from, like it also works, and it's what you have to do to for, to be successful in this in this market size, and it's exactly what the Royals didn't do. Right? Yeah, they just they just ran it back, and it yeah. ran it back. And everyone's a year older, a year more expensive. There's less around the margins, and then suddenly they're awful again. So, well, hopefully the Mets don't need to be. Thinking at anything like that, since Steve Cohen is is like three or four times over the richest owner in baseball. He's the second most rich owner in sports. <laughs> I thought he was the richest. I think Ballmer is more has more. Oh right, I forgot he owns a team. Yeah. Developers, 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 developers. Well, that's a throwback. <laughs> but don't forget, at the time, whenever it was, the late 
late 2000s, early 2010s. Probably not really the early 2010s, the late 2000s. The Mets had like the second or third highest payroll in baseball, and that didn't really do much for them. So. Yeah, that's because they were paying Mo Vaughn and like. Right, exactly. Well. <laughs> uh, Steve Ballmer with a very nice 69.6 billion. Nice. Really hope it's .69, but uh, the Google search I did doesn't offer hundredths of a billion percentage, so we'll have to work with this. Hundredths of a billion. Yeah. Tens of millions? Whatever. Mm. What is that among friends? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that was a very long-winded way of saying, yeah, being the Dodgers is better. (laughs) Objectively. You want to be, you want to have the payrolls of Dodgers with the smarts of the Rays. Yeah, you really want to be both. Which is what the what the Dodgers are. Which is, yeah, it is what the Dodgers are basically. Friedman literally invented this shit and then handed it to whatever. Uh, who's the GM in Tampa? I have no idea. <laughs> None of us even know. How do I <laughs> so not they, know? This? They traded him. <laughs> <laughs> they traded shame. They did. Julian. Oh, wait, this is hockey. I'm like, this is a name I've oh, never yes. even... Well, I mean, the Lightning are pretty similar, but they also spend a lot of money. So. Julian Brisiboy is yeah. the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He basically took over for Yazeman when he left. Didn't they Who the hell win? is Eric Neander? <laughs> and Neanderthal. God damn it, Steve. You had to see that coming. Yeah, I know. I'm sure that he's heard that a lot over his life. Silverman is the uh, president. That's who I knew. Yeah, that that's the name that comes to mind. Yeah. Neander is the GM, I guess. Um, I mean, hey, there's a reason. There's a reason Friedman left the Rays. Yeah, because this is more fun to <laughs> trade for Mookie Betts instead of trading him away. Yeah, like people like you. Boston Red Sox did. Mookie Betts good at baseball. Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger in the same Who line. Who would have known? Yeah. <laughs> in, in in fairness, I don't think people thought he was this good anymore. I certainly didn't think he was this good. I was wrong. No. Mookie Betts? <laughs> no, I thought, I mean, he was like legitimate rival to Mike Trout last season. I didn't think he was that. He's been like God tier for a few years now. Eh, he was like he w- stupid in 2018 and then was just more normal elite in 2019, which is what he was before 2018. So I'm like, okay, he's going to be a five to six win player, not a 10 win dude. I wonder if he knew that he was out in Boston and was like, maybe, you yeah, maybe. Uh, to be clear, he- I was not doubting Mook that Mookie Betts was good. <laughs> the degree of good. Yeah. I was doubting. I was unsure about his uh, transcendental eliteness. Mm. Yeah, he's like the second best player in baseball now. That's good that you bring up transcendental eliteness because in my notes here, I wrote uh, uh, regarding the Dodgers and the Rays, coincidentia absortorum, which is a Latin phrase that's central to a lot of dualistic philosophies. So there you go. Not. I had to admit that I think I would have had a little bit more satisfaction if the Rays won and beat the Dodgers in the World Series just because of that whole David versus Goliath kind of mentality. Yeah. At the same time, there are a lot of players on the Dodgers I like that I was glad to see win. 
um, Betts, Kershaw, Bellinger. Mm-hmm. Muncy is a great story. I've always liked Corey Seager for some reason. Justin Turner per pre the COVID dipshitness. Pre, pre being a super spreader. Yeah, pre <laughs> being a uh, an irresponsible douche. You know. I mean, ever since his days at the Mets, he's been a kind of tool bag. So. There's a difference between being like an on-field villain and then doing that, though. Well, he was the uh, he was with the Mets. He was the hero half the time, but he was still just a tool bag. Yeah. The freaking the pie thing. Remember the pies? I forgot about this actually. <laughs> right, that was the pies. It's COVID. Nobody read. Nobody <laughs> read the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he the one who like slammed it into Valdespin's face, like broke his nose at one time? I don't remember that, but oh god. I don't remember that, but I kind of hope it happened. No. I don't think he actually broke <laughs> Valdecine's nose, but he Can like... You imagine the Mets tweet, like, <laughs> <laughs> on IR, face broken by pie. Like, I, day I to day. day. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was the dugout with the face mask on, like a basketball player. Yeah, exactly. And because they all hated Valdespin, right? And like, he, de- he pied him after a walk-off hit or something that was definitely a little bit too aggressive. No one remembers aggressive. this. Aggressive pieing. I don't recall that. I, I might. I mean, you've established that I'm losing my mind <laughs> <laughs> multiple times on this podcast. Well, I'm typing in Valdespin Pie Turner. So let's see what happens. Oh boy, this is a, good. A, a pie in the face was a cheap shot. Valdespin's teammates. Wow. How do you remember that? <laughs> So, here's the thing, right? It was John Buck, though. It wasn't... Oh, it was Buck? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. In, in my defense, they look kind of similar, right? Like, I mean, back uh, then. They're I basically know. the same person. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no. The World champion, John Buck. Generic white dude with a big beard, you know? And completely bald. And Justin Turner with his bright red hair. Of yeah, course. but his hair wasn't long back then. <laughs> Look, look, I, I watch like any movie and can quote it word for word. Like I could do the 12 hours of Lord of the Rings from memory. Uh, I don't know my, I don't know that I could recite my social security number though. So that's basically a snapshot into how my memory works. Go ahead, give it a try. What is your social security Yeah, let me do, let me do that on the podcast. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let, let me get a notepad out. <laughs> Well, that's still pretty impressive that you remember this whole situation happening. That's awesome. Huh? That you remember that. Mm-hmm. Remembering some pies. Well, long and the short of it is, yeah, be the Dodgers, spend money, invest in analytics, invest in scouting, invest in your team, and reap the rewards. Generally take pride in what you're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> don't Don't let the owners son manage the team you know that that's that too yeah not a good idea but also Perhaps most importantly an intermeshing of your front office and your coaching staff at all levels because like the rays and dodgers acquire people for nothing and then they get better yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't happen to the mets too often no they mostly get worse when yeah. they hit them yes jd davis is like a freak accident they were definitely not intending on that. Even the Mets don't know what happened. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Pakoda said the same thing. <laughs> the Mets are like, wait, what? 
JD Davis is good. We made a good trade. I just kept crawling and it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, I hope that long rambling answer satisfies you. With multiple <laughs> irrelevant <laughs> non sequiturs and segues, you know. Well, that is, uh, you know, that that's our show. So, do we have any last words for the week? Tweet at Steve Cohen. Oh, Steve Cohen, follow Rich Staff on Twitter. True. Mm-hmm. It's a great follow. Not really. I mean, he is, but he isn't. Like, I want to punch things sometimes. You will simultaneously gain and lose brain cells. Science right, is exactly. determined yeah. whether the rate of gain or decline is faster. Roll the dice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you have any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us your emails at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elflahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.